On this edition of Out of the Blue from Middle Tennessee State University, we learn about a new degree in tourism and hospitality management. We discover a professor's research into aging and its effects upon financial decision making. And we learn why millennials hold different attitudes towards work. I'm Andrew Oppman. Join me on Out of the Blue. In response to increased popularity of Middle Tennessee as a travel destination, MTSU developed a new bachelor's degree to meet the needs of that workforce. The tourism and hospitality management major is designed to prepare students for careers in food and beverage services, entertainment, concerts, festivals, travel, transportation, and everything else. And here to tell us about this new degree program is Dr. Nikki Wu. Welcome to Out of the Blue, Nikki. Thank you, thank you for having me. I am so proud of this degree. We had a fantastic event last month in March at the Omni Hotel where we, we, we announced this to the world. Great crowd, great turnout. President McPhee on a big backdrop with the entire Nashville skyline behind him, talking about that this is a multi-trillion dollar industry employing 322 million people in the, across, the, across the globe and Nashville is hot. Is that why we've got this major? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, talk about the kind of degree, the demand for this degree and the type of jobs that the students will get with this degree. So um, obviously tourism and hospitality is a very broad area. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of job, you know, requests for workforce, you know, from Middle Tennessee area because of the tourism, it's booming, mm -hmm. you know, in, in Nashville and quite frankly, all over the world. Um, so jobs like, you know, you can think of any kind of people that you encounter in the hotel industry, all the way to restaurant, to airlines, to transportation, mm -hmm. tour guides, and so on and so forth. The list can go over and over. Mm -hmm. Walk me through what a student will learn in this program. What are the type of courses they'll take and what are the skills that they'll get from those courses? So um, the first thing I'd like to say about our, our new degree is uh, tourism hospitality management. Mm -hmm. Definitely we're focusing on management and we have a lot of the courses that focus on you know nurturing future managers and supervisors. We're not nurturing the entry-level position but mm -hmm. we're really nurturing the future employees that can take on manager job, management jobs. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our courses focusing on you know the customer service, we want them to get to know how broad the industry is, um, especially event planning, program planning, a lot of those courses are, will get students ready to go. And not to mention we require them to take minor, either minor in business administration or minor in entrepreneurship. Professor, talk to me about how the program is gonna be structured. If, if I'm an incoming student, what are some of the courses I'm gonna take and what are the skills that I'll get as a result of those courses? For all the incoming students, we require them to take a set of core courses. So those core courses cover the basic knowledge of hospitality and hotel management, uh, courses like hotel and hospitality industry, um, or tourism and entertainment, entertainment industry, um, customer service, course evaluation, program planning, of course some basic intro. Um, also uh, one very important class would be the tourism planning and development class. Mm -hmm. So. Um, and then they will have their own elective based on, based on what their interests are. Uh, for example, there may be a track that goes to event planning. We will recommend them to take uh, wine and spirit tourism 
Um, they will have special event planning program uh, class go on. Um, they also have some classes in, in uh, convention planning, convention and meeting planning. So that's for an event planning student. For those students who really want to do the general, manage, the, the general hospitality or hotel industry, we will have classes you know, based on the needs of the industry, for example, the strategic management, the human resource management. So, so we do have a lot of those elective classes ready for, you know, to fit individual interests. And walk me through also the type of jobs that you feel that you're preparing the students for. I, I know uh, we spoke earlier about your, the management part of this degree name is very, very important and explain that. So definitely we are interested in providing the industry future leaders um, in terms of managers, in terms of supervisors. That's why uh, we're really looking forward to provide students to do jobs like hotel managers, um, resort managers, um, program planners, um, you know, the local planner, tourism planners. And uh, you can think of a lot of different industries such as cruise industry, airlines, uh, local travel and, um, and, and tour managers. So those are kind of jobs that we really wanna, you know, really out there available for our students to, to do after they graduate. Well, Professor, congratulations on a fantastic program. I, I'm, I'm really excited for this great new degree starting in the fall, fall, right? Fall of 2019. So it's up on our website, mtsu.edu slash programs. You can find it listed there. And if I want to enroll starting in this freshman class, or if I want to move over to it, I can do that, right? That's right. And even if they are, you know, current students in the community college, we have the transfer program mm -hmm. that, you know, we can seamlessly you know, have them on board and taking classes will not delay their graduation. Well, Professor, thanks for coming on Out of the Blue. Thank you so much, Andrew. And we'll be right back. Your MTSU Alumni Association has a goal of placing this pin on the lapel of all those who call this campus theirs. Let's pass that tradition on. Let's pass it on. Don't underestimate me. Don't count me out. Don't limit my potential. Don't block my runway. We are Middle Tennessee State University. I exceed expectations. I work harder than the rest. I set the tone. I still serve with honor. I go the distance. I am True Blue. I am True Blue. As a member of this diverse community, I am a valuable contributor to its progress and success. I am engaged in the life of this community. I'm a recipient and a giver. I'm a listener and a speaker. I am honest in word and deed. I am committed to reason, not violence. I am a learner. Now and forever. I am a Blue Raider. I am a Blue Raider. I'm a Blue Raider. True Blue. Pass the tradition on. Pass the tradition on. Pass it on! Do you want the advantages of a major university with the Ivy League experience of an honors college? What you're looking for is right in front of you. Middle Tennessee State University's beautiful campus is home to over 140 majors taught in state-of-the-art facilities. Our undergraduates get hands-on experience, working alongside a highly respected and caring faculty Take a closer look. 
Become True Blue. Welcome back to Out of the Blue. I'm Andrew Oppman. Dr. Keith Jacks Gamble is chair of MTSU's Department of Economics and Finance. He is a recipient of the Sandell Grant from Boston College Center for Retirement Research, and he has presented his research findings to major finance associations across the world. He is here today to share with us some of his expertise in aging and its effects upon financial decision-making. Welcome to Out of the Blue, Dr. Gable. Thank you for having me. This is, a, this is a great topic to discuss. It's a personal topic for me, it hits home. Uh, my family had to deal with a, a, a parent, our mother, who as she aged uh, was having more and more difficulty with financial matters. Right. And I'm confident you hear this story from many people other than me. This is a problem in the demographics, correct? Exactly, and I, I first wanna start with the good news on this issue is that Americans are living longer and healthier lives than ever before. As people have lived to older ages, we have start to see new problems that weren't evident in the past. For instance, uh, cognitive difficulties often appear at, at older ages. Uh, doctors are well aware of this. So where my research comes in as a, a finance professor, I'm interested in how does the decline in the brain affect financial decision-making of older Americans. And I, I got to work with a, a fantastic group of researchers at Rush University Medical Center, uh, part of their memory and aging project, where they have collected just fantastic data on a huge cohort of older Americans. Uh, and they've done this every year, so we can actually watch people over time and how they change. Uh, but where my research is uh, targeted is for those older Americans who experience what's called mild cognitive decline. And this may not even get noticed by family members, mm -hmm. and in some cases not even uh, that noticed uh, by the individual. Uh, but with this careful cognitive testing, we can actually observe the mild cognitive decline. When someone is, is experiencing decreased cognitive ability, we do see a strong correlation in financial uh, literacy and financial decision-making capabilities. Not only uh, does understanding of the financial world decrease, but also the ability to work with numbers and make financial deci decisions uh, also declines. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I found what you're talking about there very fascinating because you're, you're really focusing on the mild aspects of this. Right. Just in, in, in layman's terms, like you, is that just sort of losing a little bit of your edge? Some of the some of the things that would have come naturally to you in your fifties and sixties, maybe in your seventies, aren't connecting as much. Can you give a, an example of that? Sure. So these are aspects of what's called fluid intelligence, uh, which turns out fluid intelligence peaks in the early twenties, <laughs> uh, and fluid intelligence includes a memory capacity, both short term and longer term. Uh, ability to think on your feet, ability to understand a numerical relationships, spatial relationships. It's common as people age for those fluid intelligence abilities to decline. Uh, the good news is there's also a, a different type of intelligence, which is from experience, mm -hmm. and that increases uh, throughout one's life. And so experience certainly helps. Now, where the fluid intelligence declines start outweighing the experience is usually around 50 is when one's con 
together capacity is maximized. Uh, and after that age, in, in general, people start to experience declines mm -hmm. uh, in cognition. Uh, I think where my research really uh, brings uh, information to doctors that wasn't previously well understood is understanding how when that cognitive decline is observed, how that's affecting the financial decision making of that older American. And when you start talking about money, that's where doctors are not very uh, comfortable. Uh, and I think my research encourages them to get into the conversation and the conversation with their patient to say, I'm observing these cognitive difficulties and we know through research that that does affect one's ability to make financial decisions. So before things get worse, I think it's important to have a conversation with loved ones about what your intentions are for late in life and making sure to get your estate plan mm -hmm. uh, ready uh, when you can have clear communication with your loved ones and they can know exactly what you're looking for. Now let's talk about some of those warning signs. Sure. And, and some, some are, are, are evident and you don't need to be very sophisticated to understand, but some might be less Mess, less notable. Uh, right. give, give some of those signs. Sure. So I think one thing that we found that was very interesting is that people are experiencing these mild cognitive declines. They, they generally recognize it. Mm. Uh, and their overall self-confidence uh, declines. Uh, but when we ask them about financial matters, are you having di difficulty? How confident are you in your financial decisions? Those people that recognize their cognitive decline uh, also say, well, no, in financial matters, I'm just fine. And I think there's a strong analogy here. Uh, also, with older Americans, a, a big issue is uh, with driving and mm -hmm. should they be driving. Sure, and sure. when you ask an older American, you know, do you see as well as you did when you were younger? And they say, no, I don't see as well. And you ask, are you hearing as well? They say, no, I'm not hearing as well. Uh, but how well are you driving? Oh, I'm driving just fine. <laughs> you know, my driving is just fine. And I think there's an analogy between older Americans and their car keys and their financial matters. Okay. So even though they might recognize their decreased memory or de decreased uh, capacity with numeracy and, and making decisions involving numbers, uh, they, they want to think or they want everyone to think that they're fine mm -hmm. with their financial decision making. But when we actually look at the data and we look at how they're answering financial uh, literacy questions and how they're making financial decisions, we see there are uh, problems. Now that you've been studying the ramp up of this from mild to, degree, to, to, to gradual, is there, is there something that in your research that speaks particularly that we, as, as those who love those who go through this, need to watch for right. in this? Uh, so I think it's that, that overconfidence piece. That's the, what my research really uh, pointed to. So when you're noticing some uh, additional difficulties, uh, I think it's important to talk about those difficulties without going directly to the financial matters. Uh, much like that driving analogy, if you just start with the driving, that's what the older person mm -hmm. doesn't want to give up. Just like the financial control, that's what don't they wanna don't want to give up. Right. right, but when you start talking about, well, uh, talk about memory, talk about how well you're, you're making decisions with numbers, that's where older Americans are more uh, forthcoming about those difficulties. And I think saying, 
Well, if you recognize those difficulties, you can actually protect yourself by uh, not making big financial decisions when you get to that, that stage right. in life. If you can have a plan in place before these difficulties start to happen, then you can go back to that plan and then enacting that uh, portion of your estate plan. And, and then you clearly know what the older person wanted when they started to mm -hmm. lose uh, their capacity to make big financial decisions and who they wanted involved in that decision making in the future. Last question for you. You talked so much about overconfidence, about yes. that putting forward that that uh, aura of I've got this handled. Please don't worry about me. Right. Uh, how do how do you recommend? And is there anything you see in your research to overcome the convincing overconfidence that to, right. that gets you to the point where I spoke to her, I spoke to him, and oh no, she said she's great. Right. What what is that that subtle that subtle thing that makes you question? that right. overconfidence. Yes. So I think it's common for older Americans to feel like their ability is fine. What was helpful in the study is actually put it to the test. Yes. As you can find online financial literacy uh, quizzes that as an older person, I recommend taking. Online. Score I could, yourself. I could just score myself. Right. And score see yourself and compare what you thought your ability was to the actuality of your score. And if you find that you think your ability is much higher than you're actually scoring, you're at risk uh, to fall prey to scams. And so I think actually taking the test mm -hmm. uh, and, and let your doctors know about this concern is something I've done even at a young age with my doctor. I've gone through a cognitive test just to establish a baseline. So if things do happen in the future, we know where I was. Uh, we have uh, something to compare it uh, too. So I would say, uh, as an American concerned about these issues, put yourself to the test and mm -hmm. see where you are. I just think it's wonderful that you were able to take something out of your personal life and apply it to a larger platform to help other people. And it's right. so wonderful that you do that as a member of our faculty. Well, thank you. We really appreciate you being here on Out of the Blue and talking to us about it. Happy to be here. And we'll be right back. Your MTSU Alumni Association has a goal of placing this pin on the lapel of all those who call this campus theirs. Let's pass that tradition on. Let's pass it on. Don't underestimate me. Don't count me out. Don't limit my potential. Don't block my runway. We are Middle Tennessee State University. I exceed expectations. I work harder than the rest. I set the tone. I still serve with honor. I go the distance. I am True Blue. I am True Blue. As a member of this diverse community, I am a valuable contributor to its progress and success. I am engaged in the life of this community. I'm a recipient and a giver. I'm a listener and a speaker. I am honest in word and deed. I am committed to reason, not violence. I am a learner. Now and forever. I am a Blue Raider. I am a Blue Raider. I'm a Blue Raider. True Blue. Pass the tradition on. Pass the tradition on. Pass it on! Do you want the advantages of a major university with the Ivy League experience of an honors college? What you're looking for is right in front of you. 
Middle Tennessee State University's beautiful campus is home to over 140 majors taught in state-of-the-art facilities. Our undergraduates get hands-on experience, working alongside a highly respected and caring faculty. Take a closer look. Become True Blue. Don't underestimate me. Don't count me out. Don't limit my potential. Don't block my runway. We are Middle Tennessee State University. I exceed expectations. I work harder than the rest. I set the tone. I still serve with honor. I go the distance. I am True Blue. Welcome back to Out of the Blue. I'm Andrew Ottman. Millennials are currently the largest generation at work and will reach an estimated 75% of the labor force by 2025. Studies show that millennials hold slightly different attitudes towards work when compared to previous generations, and they are more readily to change jobs and are less committed to their organizations. Around 66% of them plan to leave their current company within five years. Dr. Dan Morrell helps prepare students in our Jennings A. Jones College of Business for careers in management for the ever-changing world of organizational behavior. You're an expert in this field and you're on out of the blue. Welcome. Thank you. So let's start out with some definitions here. What is a millennial and how do they fit into the generational blend and mix that's out there? Uh, there are four, currently four generations in the workplace. The silent generation um, came of age around uh, World War II. Mm -hmm. And then after World War II, those were the baby boomers that were born, till about uh, around uh, 1965, when we change over to Generation X, until about 1982, when the millennials were born. There are current um, college students and um, young people in the workforce. Uh, they have a, a little bit different um, yeah, take on um, how they relate to work. 20, 30 years ago, when you would meet somebody, you would say, immediately you would say, what do you do? Well, millennials, they, they don't really function like that. They, uh, work has not become so central to their lives that it's, it's not part of their identity. Um, current studies show that um, millennial employees plan to um, well, they'll probably switch jobs between 12 and 16 times over the course of their career. They're, they're a lot more mobile than previous generations. Mm -hmm. What do you attribute that to? Why, why does this particular generation have different markers and importance as opposed to the previous one? This generation has seen this, the toll that uh, long-term stress has put on their parents uh, when their parents work in, in one job for a long period of time. And they also have more information available through uh, the internet and social media to, to know about different job opportunities and to compare their job and what they do versus other people, versus their friends, relatives, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I, I noticed in the paper that, I, I, a fascinating paper that's, uh, if you Google it, it's out online, uh, from January 2019 on millennial motivation issues in a compensation and benefit review journal. You also talk about in this paper the, the rewards that, the, that, that this generation responds to as opposed to previous generations, the things that, that they consider to be, yeah, that's, that's part of my satisfaction. Can you describe a few of those? 
Generation X, baby boomers were more driven by monetary rewards. Mm -hmm and uh, millennials are, are more driven by intrinsic rewards. They're more driven by, you know, am, am I in a job that, that makes a difference? Uh, do I have a supportive supervisor? Am I um, getting the kinds of recognition that I need? One of the things that this article did, which I thought was just completely fascinating, is you came through with some three really solid suggestions. And I want to talk, you've talked a little bit, but I want to sum them up a little bit. Number one was improve opportunities for leisure and increase work balance through redesigned jobs and additional time off. Talk about the redesigned jobs. In other words, maybe it's not your father's job that we ought to put you in. Right. It's, it's not your father's job, and, and there have been some innovative things. It could be that you have more work-from-home options. Mm -hmm. And work-from-home... Um, has been shown to be a good motivator as long as you have the right person working from home and, and that, that you have um, the right kind of accountability mm -hmm. with the employees to, to make sure that they're actually doing what they're supposed to be doing. Your second suggestion was providing a customized mix of monetary and non-monetary rewards and assessing their effectiveness regularly. So monetary, I get. Non-monetary is what? Uh, Non-monetary is uh, benefits or, or maybe some that could be, some rewards that could be quantified as, as monetary, but they're, they're uh, actually more of a benefit. So one of the most um, favorable rewards right now is offering um, uh, student loan repayment. So companies are offering, if you could give us two years then we'll start paying you X amount of dollars toward your student loan. If you could give us five years, then we'll pay off your student loan or pay half your student loan. The third suggestion, provide high quality feedback regularly, not just annual performance appraisal meetings, but recognition frequently. And, you know, I, I, I have to tell you, I think there's an unfair... Um, characterization out there in, in popular culture about the, the recognition of millennials. And I have, as an employer and, and someone that's worked with creative folks all the time, I, I, I bristle at that. You know, this is where the participation trophy often kind of gets into the discussion. And I don't think that is. But I do, but in reading this, I, it was really, the, the message was, tell me that you're paying attention to what I'm doing. And that you're giving me the type of feedback that is noticeable so I can figure out if I need to get better. Is that fair? That's correct. Previous generations have always said, well, no news is good news. Mm -hmm. And if I haven't been fired yet, I must be doing something good. If Bob still has his job, then, then and I'm doing a little bit better than Bob, then it's okay. Mm -hmm. um, Millennial employees, they, they want feedback. They want to know that they're doing the right thing. They want to know that, that they're being regarded uh, you know, and noticed in their organization. This is free. Recognition is free. You know, um, annual performance evaluations, a lot of times they're not free because if, when you meet with somebody to do an annual performance evaluation, you say, oh, you are doing an excellent job, you get fives on everything, and you're one of our best employees. Previous generations, they're going to turn around and they're going to say, okay, that's great, now let's talk about my raise. You know, but if you have an ongoing recognition, uh, th that's, that's free. 
Well, Professor, I appreciate you coming on Out of the Blue and sharing this. This is fascinating research, and I know helpful research as well. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you. And that does wrap up another edition of Out of the Blue. You can find more stories and videos about the campus 24 hours a day by visiting our website, mtsunews.com. And we invite you to follow MTSU on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for additional special content. I'm Andrew Ottman, and I hope you will always remain True Blue. Out of the Blue is broadcast on Murfreesboro Cable Channel 9, Monday through Sunday, 7 a.m. and 7.30 p.m. News Channel 5 Plus and MTSU student station, MT10. It's also available on other cable outlets in Middle Tennessee, so check your local listings. Out of the Blue is a production of MTSU's Division of Marketing and Communications and MTSU Audiovisual Services in the College of Education. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.